Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Philpott, why is all the talk from governments about painkillers instead of pain? You do know that people who take painkillers, people who take opioids, do it just to make life tolerable. Well, I think that's a fantastic point, and uh, I think you're absolutely right that uh, uh, it's a fair point that the conversation needs to be around the pain and recognizing that when people do take uh, substances that... Uh, are used for controlling pain, it's because they have pain, sometimes uh, physical, sometimes psychological, but uh, the pain is uh, certainly should be a central theme to this conversation. That was the very first question that I asked the Federal Minister of Health, Dr. Jane Philpott, two weeks ago. After the minister contacted me through her press secretary looking for an interview, and you know by now they were going to set me straight on what I've been talking about. Well... What has happened since that time is that I'm hearing from more and more patients who are feeling stronger and stronger about speaking out for themselves, and you're going to be seeing the evidence or hearing the evidence of that going forward. And they're not willing to just be pushed aside. They're not willing to just be told by their doctor, sorry, but we're going to have to reduce your opioid medication intake by 50, 60, 70, 80 percent over a period of weeks. And maybe we'll have to stop it entirely. Don't want to do that, but I have to. That is what patient after patient has shared with their doctors. Essentially say that I've been told to do this. And you know, the Catherine, who was on the air with us twice, we'll have her back. A doctor she doesn't even know. She's never met. She's never talked to. Instructed her family doctor. And Catherine has horrific, horrific chronic pain. This doctor who is in Toronto, and she is not, who's never talked to, never met Catherine, told Catherine's family doctor, cut out her breakthrough medications. And the breakthrough medication is what you take when the long, before the long-acting medication takes effect. So if the pain spikes before the long-acting medication takes effect, they give you a minor dose to take at those times. Kind of keeps you sane. And the doctor in Toronto, without ever meeting her, ever talking to her, just cut her out of that particular medication. So more and more patients are getting in touch with me, as are more and more doctors. We uh, spoke with Dr. Lynn Webster last Sunday, right, a week ago today, who's the former head of um, 
the Association of Pain Physicians in the United States. That's not the exact title but of the organization, but that's the, uh, the position he held. And you heard him speak very, very directly about how the patient has to be taken care of and the patient has to be nurtured, but it's not going on. I received this. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to my guest in a second. I, I received this email from Loretta on the 24th of April, and she wanted me to be sure that I mentioned the date. All right, 24 April. Dear doctors, thank you for curing my fear of death. The only fear I have since you took my chronic pain meds away is of living. One of the questions that I asked Dr. Philpott, as she's a doctor, how do you sleep at night? If you know that pain patients have committed suicide because of their pain and because they don't have their opioid medications, which make life manageable, if they commit suicide, how do you sleep at night as a doctor? Not an irrelevant question. All right. My guest is Dr. Stephen Nadeau. Let me tell you just a little bit about Dr. Nadeau. He's a scientist, a neurologist with over 30 years in the U.S. Tertiary Care Center, treating patients with non-malignant pain, and he's listed in the best doctors of America. He got in touch with me. Dr. Nadeau, thank you for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure, Roy. Would you share with us what uh, what exactly do you do when you when you say you treat patients you know, who have non-malignant pain, so that would be non-cancer patients, I would imagine, um, in a U.S. tertiary center? So you've, you've had a lot of experience, 30 years' worth of experience dealing with pain, severe pain that has been experienced and is experienced by your patients, right? Yes. So what are the treatment options that are available to you? Well, um, so far, uh, in spite of uh, very serious uh, issues in the national climate of pain management, I've largely been able to still practice best medical principles in treating patients with chronic pain. Um, certainly, there are some types of pain, uh, for example, trigeminal neuralgia, uh, for which non-opioids are the, the optimal and really the, the only viable medical treatment. But most of the chronic pain that we see, uh, whether it's patients with uh, a chronic daily headache, by which I mean headache 24 hours a day, seven days a week, patients with chronic back and neck pain, uh, patients with uh, complex regional pain syndrome, uh, opioids uh, are really key to enabling a patient to achieve control of their pain. And, this- and I emphasize control because I think it's a, a good uh, operational uh, benchmark. Uh, it is relatively straightforward for a patient to tell you is their pain adequately controlled or not. And in the course of a 30-minute clinic visit, um, I can reasonably reliably tell whether the pain is adequately controlled. And if it is, I know I don't need to make any changes in uh, treatment. Um, chronic pain is uh, uh, complicated. Um, perhaps the most important comorbidity is uh, depression, which is uh, the prevalence of which is 
terribly underestimated uh, in this population. Uh, published figures are 25 percent or less. Uh, my own experience is close to 100 uh, percent. This is tremendously important because for the patient with chronic pain who's depressed, uh, successful treatment with depression uh, may be the single best option in alleviating their pain, uh, not an increase in their opioid dosage. So you, you establish the opioid dosage that controls the pain, and then you treat the rest of the issue. Is that correct? You, you, you take care of controlling the pain first? Because as one physician said to me on this program some months ago, the steps that lead to, and this is an area I don't like to go to, but I'm brought up time and again, is suicide. And so the four steps were pain, social isolation, depression, Suicide. Well, I think the best answer to your question is you always treat the the whole patient mm -hmm. to the extent possible. So uh, a first uh, visit is going to entail gathering as much information as I can about uh, the details of the pain problem. Uh, a careful assessment for depression, an assessment of uh, sleep disorders, um, uh, an assessment as to what role uh, non-opioid treatments might be able to play uh, in the treatment of pain. So, for example, in complex regional uh, pain syndrome, uh, there are uh, non-opiate uh, drugs that may be of, of value. So uh, everything is going to we're going to start working on all fronts simultaneously. Okay, we're so we're going to initiate treatment of depression if it's there. First visit, we're going to initiate treatment of sleep problem. First visit, and if it looks like the the severity of the pain and its impact on the patient's life is sufficient to uh, warrant consideration of uh, opiates, the quality of the pain is uh, such that it will likely respond to opiates. Then we may uh, introduce. Uh, very low-dose uh, opiates uh, on the first visit. All right. Please please stand by, Dr. Natto. I have to take a break. When we come back, I want to find out what Dr. Natto thought of the interview with the Federal Minister of Health. He's heard it. He also heard the uh, conversation with Catherine, which followed the interview with Dr. Philpott. And who's leading the charge here? Why is this focus, this this national or international focus, on taking opioids away from patients who need them. Who's leading the charge? Dr. Webster told us last weekend that it was U.S. insurance companies that began when they were running into some significant expenses covering opioid costs for patients, particularly um, workers' compensation-type uh, cases. But we'll talk to uh, Dr. Natto about who's leading the charge and... Uh, what really has to do, be done for the patient, the health patient, the chronic pain patient who needs the opioids? It's, to me, it's simple. Based on what I've heard from the patients and from some doctors, give them what they need. We'll come right back. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Don Ray Downton will uh, join us later on in the hour. She wrote a column in the Globe and Mail. She's a national journalist. Wrote a column in the Globe and Mail in which she states she's used fentanyl prescribed for 12 years and for one reason only, to get as much pain control as possible. Don Ray has a suicide plan in place if her opioid meds are withdrawn and her husband, she's told us, is aware. Marvin Ross will be back with us as well, health columnist for the HuffPost Canada. He wrote his latest column, at least partly based on uh, the last two shows we have aired on chronic pain, and his current column, this is the one that mentions this program, is it's time for Ottawa to listen to the evidence about opioid use. With me now is Dr. Stephen Nado, scientist and neurologist with over 30 years in a U.S. tertiary care center treating patients with non-malignant pain, and he's listed in the best doctors of America. Dr. Nado, you heard the interview that uh, I aired with the Federal Minister of Health. What did you come away with? Uh, well, I, I thought that it was... Um, Somebody in government uh, trying to uh, live with the realities of the, the, the political situation and of the, the uh, uh, regulatory environment, um, and and really um, not dealing with the, the specifics of the problem because really almost nobody is. I mean, it's there's this big search for a one-size-fits-all solution, and, and that solution has been simply uh, put a ceiling on opiate dosage, uh, where the devil is in the details, um, the details of how we uh, uh, manage chronic pain, uh, the details of how we train uh, healthcare practitioners to manage pain, uh, we basically don't train them at all, uh, and therein lies a significant problem. Um, uh, the details of the medical strategies that we uh, use to approach patients with uh, chronic pain, uh, it's complicated, uh, but it is a substantially soluble uh, problem, um, uh, but we're just not dealing with the details. No. And, and wouldn't you expect that... Uh that a minister of health who's also a physician would approach the situation somewhat differently? Well, not necessarily. I mean, um, the whole business of uh, treating uh, pain has, has always been a, a point of vulnerability in medicine. Um, uh, there's always been a highly prevalent uh, suspicion that when patients say they're in a lot of pain, uh, physicians look at them and think, well, they don't look like they're in so much pain to me, so I think they're exaggerating and they just really want to take these drugs to, to get high. So there's always been an element of patient suspicion. Uh, there's always been a, a tremendous amount of, of fear uh, about use of uh, opiates, uh, simply born of lack of education and training on mm. How to use them? But isn't that just a, a isn't that just a cynical dismissiveness of the of the pain patient? Someone comes in and says, "I don't have a regular headache all day." I'm as one per person said to me, "It feels like I have a hot, burning hot iron pushed against my face twenty four seven. That's my chronic pain." This person said. 
So to say, they're, you know, to have the attitude that they're just looking for drugs is really being dismissive. And, and it's, maybe it's just endemic to what's going on or just a misunderstanding and no training. But it really is dismissive of the patient, doesn't understand and doesn't really try to understand what the issue is and what the patient needs. Well, I personally agree with that, and and, I, and certainly uh, over all the years that I've treated patients, uh, the key to my management has been uh, a relationship of uh, trust and maintenance of a relationship of trust. So right. when patients tell me that their pain is not adequately uh, controlled, uh, I believe them, uh, and I make changes accordingly, and with some uh, tweaking, now, the typical response is, okay, I'm, I'm, I still have pain, but it's, it's under control now, Doc. I don't need you to change a single other thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a relationship of, of trust uh, works, and I argue that it's the foundation of a relationship between a patient and a physician. Would have but, to be. Uh, but, well, I agree, but uh, I'm just telling you that my approach to this and my attitude, unfortunately, is a bit iconoclastic. Yeah, no, I, I understand that, too. Uh, are, are you under pressure to to not treat patients with opioids? Is there a regulatory mechanism in place that's applying heat on you to, hey, back off treating them with opioids? Yes. Um, it's not easy being a pain doc. It is not easy. And, and anyone in the field knows this. They know that uh, there's, there may be lurking uh, a risk of loss of clinical privileges. Uh, there may be lurking uh, a risk of uh, uh, hearings before their board of medicine and uh, sanctions and so on. Um, so, no, it's, it's not easy. On a daily basis, it's constantly battling with pharmacies and uh, insurance companies. Um, so it, it's it's a lot of work, but but you just kind of accept that. Well, Doctor Nato, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to stop it here because of the clock. But I do hope you'll come back. We'll ask you to come back on the program. We are going to continue with this issue. We're not going to stop. And I I do thank you for spending the time with us today. My pleasure, Roy. All the best, Doctor Stephen Nato. We will ask him back now. When we do come back, Don Ray Downton will be back with us. And uh, so will Marvin Ross. And Don Ray is living with horrific chronic pain. If they take away her pain patches, well, I've already told you what her plan is. And uh, Marvin Ross has written some incredible columns in HuffPost Canada about this issue. Don't go away. <laughs> 